You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Better Man Podcast. I am your host, Adam Torno. Today, we are visiting with a good friend of mine named David Morrison. David lives in Birmingham, Alabama with his wife, Julia, and their four kids. David is an elder at Christ Fellowship Church there in Birmingham. He's a graduate of Texas A&M. I'll pause for a second here because I know all you guys need to whoop. Okay, there we go. Good job. Uh, I'm sure the guy in the car next to you heard you. Also a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, and he's the VP of Operations for Tecala, which is the largest franchisee of Taco Bell's in the country. Here's why David is on the episode today, because every time I talk to David about Jesus, I leave the conversation refreshed, and and I mean that. And, and that way, he is one of my rare friends. His maturity and his perspective are always helpful uh, to me, and I know they're going to be helpful to you guys today. So uh, I'm grateful that he is on today's episode as we talk about how following Jesus is not a competition. I know you guys are going to love it. So take a listen to our conversation, and then I'll come back with a few closing comments. So uh, David, you and I have known each other a long time, um, and it's it's fun to be able to do this uh, podcast with you today. And so you've got this idea. You and I were emailing a couple of weeks ago, and you just said, hey, I've got this idea that that the Lord has been teaching you that I, I when you shared it with me, I said, let's get you on the Better Man podcast, because this is going to help a lot of people. And here's the, the big statement, is that following Jesus is not a competition. It's not a competition. And so what was the genesis of this thought uh, that caused you to write this down? And what's some of the backstory here? Yeah, I, I think for me, it was just the Lord teaching me, um, I'm not scoring you in your faithfulness based on what other Christians are doing in their faithfulness. You know, I think it's only, uh, maybe it's the way I was raised. I was thinking about this in the context of, of both church and just kind of American society. You know, whether you grew up playing Little League or you grew up uh, kind of in student government in high school, or maybe you're a musician, you're competing in every every single arena, right? I'm competing for a position. I'm competing for a record label or a, a gig, you know, as a musician. I'm competing for a, uh, a vote, you know, as a, as a politician. Um, and that how my relationship with Christ is is utterly different than any other relationship um, that uh, he's not keeping score uh, on me, you know, in that sense. And I think for for me, I mean, to be honest, you know, um, that drives a lot of my anxiety is this kind of this sense of competition comparison. How am I doing versus how Adam's doing? You know, I hear this story of a buddy who who read through the Bible in a year. I've never done that uh, Am I behind now? You know, if there was a college football ranking of Christians, would I be out of the top twenty-five or something? I don't. And so there's a sense in where I think the Lord was just impressing upon that, uh, impressing that upon me, of uh, you know, following Jesus, following me is not a competition. That's so good. And just so the listeners know that uh, reading the Bible in a year, and my buddy Adam did it. This is literally our text messages yesterday morning. So this is this yes. is real life. And so because get, I am not. Go. I yeah, have not take. read the Bible in a year ever, and I'm almost 40 years old yeah. and grew up in church. You, on the other hand, do it every year. I don't know. No, how, how, how many times have you read the Bible in a year? Uh, I think I've done it two or three times as a plan, but w- what I think was funny is that I was under the assumption the last time I did it that you were doing it too, because we had all discussed, hey, let's do this, and there was another buddy of ours uh, named Chris Shelton, and the three of us, we were going to read through the Bible in a year and get one of those journaling Bibles, and we were going to write little prayers to our to our kids, and I did it for a year, and then yesterday, you guys decided to tell me you didn't do it, and so... I mean, I kind of did it, Yeah, but... 
when I read through the Bible, I skip parts. And that's where maybe that's why I'm insecure about my spiritual walk because I'm <laughs> skipping parts of my Bible reading yes. plan, you know. Um, but uh yes, uh anyway. there's it, I would just say this about you know competition and in 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 our walk with God is that I think some well-meaning Sunday school teachers along the way kind of breed this, bred this into me. So I grew up, you know, Southern Baptist, just imagine all those stereotypes, both good and bad. Yep. Um, I experienced that. And one of those stereotypes, and that's true of Southern Baptist Sunday school, is the Bible drill. Mm. Did you do Bible drills when you were growing up? No, I, did, I didn't become a Christian until I was 21, so I missed all okay. of this uh, childhood experience. Well, for you and all your other listeners who might not have grown up in church, Bible drill was a competition mm. whereby you would show your merits as a follower of Jesus at the age of eight and whether or not you could get to the book of Amos before your buddy. Yeah. Right. So you both have a Bible there in front of you. The Sunday school teacher would be like, all right, who can find Amos? And then you and I would compete. I'd be like, boom, I got it. Yeah. And then you, if you got it first, you get a high five, you know, and, and just that sense of competition of how well do you know your Bible? And now as a, as an adult human, uh, I'm like, why didn't we just teach him that, the table of contents is in the front. <laughs> you know, like if you look at the front, David, all the books are in order and you can you can see the pages they there. start on. Yeah, you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, just go there. You know, like why are we drilling each other? And, and, and it was like, and so that was just one example of, of, I was just, you know, doing some self-psychology, I guess, but uh, on why the competition was there. But also it's just innate, right? We, we like to be better than each other. Um, yeah. We like to be number one. We like to feel uh, kind of more, uh, I guess, superior to... Uh, to our colleagues and to our, our friends. And so um, I think the Lord was just kind of saying, hey, man, I, I don't keep score the way the world keeps score. All right. So, David, you're exactly right. I mean, all of us, regardless if you grew up in church or not, um, it, competition is just ingrained in our in our culture. And in some ways, I mean, it's kind of the way the world works, right? That, that you, you do have to perform. And so it makes sense that a lot of us would bring this into our spiritual life. But what you're saying is, is uh, that's not at all uh, what life with Jesus is meant to be like, and it's completely different than any other relationship you have with anybody, and it, and being a part of the church should be different than any other institution that you've ever been a part of, correct? Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, thinking about uh, specifically Christian men, uh, we live in a culture where, like you said, we have to perform at work, we have to perform as parents, we have to perform as husbands or boyfriends or whatever we are. And there's a rightness to that. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like the responsibility is good. I guess the best way to say that the responsibility to perform in your role that you've either volunteered for or um, been given to you through just the providence of God um, is good. Um, but if you're going to be a gracious person, if you're going to be a kind person, if you're going to be a Jesus follower, you have to be okay with not being first. Hmm. And I was thinking about you know that awesome uh, story of of jesus uh and the the disciples mom who shows up yeah remember this story yeah matthew 20 i think it was yeah. i don't know if the disciples asked their mom to do that i think or it's, if she just volunteered yeah but it maybe is one of the first uh, records of a helicopter mom or parent yeah, that's right, <laughs> right? she came right, in or a mom with boy i don't know how that went but uh she asked jesus i want my boys to sit at your right and left and he's like that's not for me to give and and then he looks at the dudes and he's like, Are, can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? And, and they're like, yeah, we can drink it, which I'm not sure they knew what they were saying there. Right. And and he's like, well, I, it's not for you, uh, for me to give. And you will drink the cup that I'm going to drink, meaning you're going to suffer the way I'm, I'm suffering um, or will will soon suffer. 
and then he flips kind of the script on on how we keep score and it says anybody who wants to be first among you must be a slave of all mm. right and so i think there is an economy a, a kingdom economy that says this is what greatness looks like this is what winning looks like um but it looks different than what winning looks like in your universe that's right and for us to just continually remind ourselves of that because uh the world reminds us day after day hey you are your score you are your square footage you are your salary you are your title uh and jesus is like no you're not yeah it's different i like what you're saying there you got to be okay with not being first that is so counterintuitive and i think uh especially for men is going to be a struggle uh, for a lot of men to have to sit there and go, okay, not being first. I mean, uh, some people are going to think about um, uh, the ballad of Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last, right? That that ended up being a lie because Ricky thought his dad told him that, and then his dad denied it. And so uh, some will think of, of that, but others are just going to go, that seems very, very different than everything I've been taught in the way that the world works. So David, let's do this. How? how what are some, maybe some indications that somebody would have or some clues in their life that maybe they are treating it like trying to make a football team or they're treating it like this competition with a with a score. What what are some clues that you see maybe in your own life or in other men's lives that that you interact with uh, regularly? I, I think one big one would be if you're timing your quiet time, you're keeping score. Okay. Or if you're keeping track of the time you wake up as if Jesus cares or even operates in time, if you want to get real metaphysical about it, <laughs> right? Um what time you're waking uh, to to say a prayer. Uh, and as if he's keeping score in the sense of, well, Adam woke up at 4 a.m. and you didn't get up until 10 a.m., so he gets more of my attention, right? This idea that Jesus keeps score the way we keep score or that God cares about the things the way we care about them um, is is one way, right? Quit, quit choosing your devotion uh, or uh, measuring your devotion based on the devotion of others. That's right. And listen, I mean, there you can use habits and streaks and numbers. Uh, you can use those for your benefit. I mean, we just did an episode recently with Randy Marshall talking about goals and desires, and one of the things he gave was a goal-tracking worksheet. And so, yeah, if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, get up, read the Bible. If it helps you to write that down and, and keep little tick marks to try to get a streak going, that's great. But just know... Um, Jesus isn't going to love you any more or less if you have 27 check marks in one month or if you have uh, three check marks in one month, right? Yeah, and I think that might be make, bring up a good point there is that the competition is not uh, against someone else, mm. right? And so I'm reminded of that story where uh, at the end of the of, of the book of or the Gospel of John, where um, Peter uh, asks, you know, is told uh, by Jesus that uh, how the way by which he's going to die, right? And that it's going to be hard. Yeah. And Peter's next response is to then point at, I think John is the person, right? He, the way he says it, it's, it's himself, points at John and says, what about this dude? And and, and Jesus' response is, what what is what concern of that is is that to you, yeah. you follow me, mm. right? So if, if checking marks, you know, on your quiet time helps you be more devoted to the, to, to your savior, check all the marks you can, but th then don't, then don't say, well, David's not doing any check marks. So I must then be more mature than he is. Yeah. Right. No, you just follow Jesus and you let Jesus do it with Peter, what he wants to do with Peter and let what he wants to do with John, what he wants to do with John. And don't worry about uh, whether or not it's better or worse or more consistent or whatever it might be. Yeah, and so what I think I'm hearing you say here is, is uh, again, being in community and being held accountable 
with other people and having others around you who are trying to run after Jesus, like you're trying to run after Jesus. Yeah, it may be good to ask questions of how many times this week did you read God's Word? How many times did you share the gospel? How many times did you look at porn? How many times did you get angry? Whatever it is, those accountings are good. But if you ever, the motivation ever becomes, I want to impress this person, not that I want to love Jesus more, that's probably when you know you're playing the game, right? Yeah, that's so huge right there. I think what you just said, right? With my motivation, because I'll do, I'm going to just confess to your entire uh, listenership here. Listenership? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, is that, that's the <laughs> word um, that I do that on a regular basis. You know, I'll be thinking to myself, I want to get to small group and be able to say, I read the Bible every day. Yeah. And, and my devotion to Christ has absolutely no actual motivation to be devoted to Christ. It has to do with getting through that meeting without looking like a bad Christian. That's right. You see what I'm saying? And, and there's just a, a a wrongness, so much wrongness to that, right? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I think that's the big thing. Yeah. I, I have noticed in my walk with Jesus, too, that I am chasing the story more than I'm chasing Jesus, right? That I, exactly. I will have that temptation to go chase a story so that if I am asked in accountability group about something, I can go, oh, well, here, here, and here. Or I want to go share the gospel, because if anybody asks in a meeting, when was the last time you shared the gospel, I want to be able to raise my hand and tell a story, and I'm chasing the story, which again, some of those uh, that accountability can be very beneficial in your walk with Jesus when, when your motives are right, when you're doing it to get to know Jesus better and to grow in that relationship. But when it, when it shifts, and you know, and that shift is subtle, um, and when it shifts and you're now starting to do it to sound good in front of other people, that's when you know you may be treating this like a like a competition, and uh, that's probably not going to end up well for you, right? That's not going to help you grow and could lead to uh, a hardened heart or somebody that has just uh, probably become one of those people that Jesus had a problem with in the Gospels. There was a problem with people who, who performed religious uh, activity for the sake of being seen performing a religious activity. There was—I I remember that from the Gospels. That yeah. was bad. yeah. Yes, that was uh, relatively I have a negative. seminary degree and spent lots of money to get it, and I do remember that one thing. That's yeah. right, yeah. So those are the equivalents today, if we're thinking about the Sermon on the Mount, of uh, you're, you're, you've got your trumpet when you're giving, or um, you are trying to pray on the corner, you know, the street corner, rather than pray in your closet. It's just this idea of doing things to try to impress other people. That's how you know you might be treating this like a football game. You also have here um, as well that if you're frustrated by somebody else's spiritual accomplishments or habits that are better or different than yours, that also might be an indication that you are treating this like a football game or a competition. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just keep confessing sin to your listeners here, which is, <laughs> you know, sometimes I will just, I just get frustrated, you know, because I'm like, man, that guy is, here, here's one. Uh, guys who can pray scripture with their eyes closed make me really insecure. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I don't, I'm not, a, and here's, here's just confession, right? This is, this is evidence that I treat my spiritual walk like a football game or like the, the college football playoff is when I hear a brother praying scripture with his eyes closed, my first thought is not, man, I'm blessed by that. My first thought is, dang it, I can't do that. Mm. And I think that's bad. Yeah. I think that's a deficiency in my walk with Christ that I should be in that moment. I should be enjoying the scripture being essentially read to me through prayer and praying the scripture with him to our savior. And I'm not yep. because I've been taught that the, my walk with Christ is a competition and I need to pray like he's praying. And so now I'm just looking up scriptures on my phone 
That's what's really happening because yeah. I know it's my turn to pray next. I need to pray scripture. And I'm like, <laughs> I need to have a scripture. That's what happens. Yeah. And it destroys the whole thing, right? And because he's done his work, right? He's been devoted to the word. He's he's memorized his scripture. Whatever it is that allows him to do that, he's enjoying the fruit of that labor and good for him. And I should be enjoying it with him. Yeah. And then later telling him, hey, thank you for that. Yeah. Instead of trying to find, you know, uh, a, you know Ephesians chapter 2 or whatever the, uh, the scripture is I want to pray on my phone so I can look as good as he does. And so I, I think there's just some um, moments in the Christian walk and life in the church where you can just check your heart and go, hey, that's not right. Yep. Um, you're keeping score. Uh, don't do that. That's really good. Yeah, I um, I was reading this morning, and um, in Mark, I think it was Mark chapter 14, of the woman who broke the perfume on Jesus's, you know, uh, anointed him with perfume. And I, there was this little line in Mark that I had just never noticed before when the disciples started to give her the hard time for doing that, and Jesus basically just saying, she did what she could, right? And, and I, for some reason, that just really stuck out to me, this idea of sincerity, and made me also think about the widow's might, you know, that she did what she could, that Jesus loves sincerity, right? Like that, that is what uh, hopefully a healthy heart of following after Jesus is like, is sincerely wanting to spend time with him, sincerely wanting to love other people, sincerely wanting to share the gospel and, and talk about the good news of what God has done to accomplish salvation through his son, Jesus, that sincerity. And so I'm, I'm hearing you say that sincerity might be one of these indicators that of whether or not you're playing the game. Are you doing something just to get a story, to get an attaboy? Are you doing it sincerely? Yeah, 100%. So what are some ways that you have tried to battle this in your life? So there's probably a lot of listeners right now that are going, yeah, I, I've got tendencies to do that. I mean, we've all got tendencies to do that. So uh, what's worked for you? How have you tried to keep your heart in check to not turn this into a, a spiritual competition? Yeah, so one thing I try to do is um, read my Bible and tell myself, whatever you learn, whatever you glean, whatever benefits you in this you know, uh, Bible reading moment, devotional moment, you're not allowed to share. Hmm. Um, you know, intentionally being in the Word, uh, intentionally um, communing with our Savior for the purpose of being in the Word and communing with our Savior. Um, and so if you learn something, if you glean something, guess what? That was just for you. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think our old buddy, uh, Todd Wagner uh, quoted the, the Bible first Bible most type deal. Yeah. It, it's kind of that, you know, Hey, get up in the morning and, and be with the Lord because it brings you life, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and it's as simple as that, you know? And so, uh, being in the word for the purpose of being in the word and, and, and communing with our savior. Uh, and then honestly, man, Kind of the, the second half of that that habit or intentionality is I do my best to stay off Christian blogs. Okay. Because they're just not, and this is not against uh, Christian blogs or obviously Christian um, podcasts, which we're currently recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's to say, I know what's healthy for my heart, you know? That's good. Um, and I, I know when I'm competing, uh, and I know when what what I need to do and not to do to, to walk closer with Jesus. And and sometimes it's just staying in my own lane. Yeah. 
And, and that may be, if I can nuance that a little bit, it, it, so for some, that may be starting to read Christian blogs because maybe they have been, um, maybe they're a relatively new Christian or they've been consuming other m- media or something like that where they're comparing themselves to, quote, the world or uh, an old group of friends that was not helpful for them. And so for them, yes, this is part of taking off the old and putting on the new is filling their mind with mm-hmm. with thoughts. And so for there, what, the key there, what you just said, is I've got to know my own heart. And so mm-hmm. know your own heart and do what's going to be helpful there. For others, it may be, yeah, I, hey, when I, I notice when I'm reading these Christian authors or these listening to these, if there's some maybe some pastors that are listening uh, to this right now, they may be uh, frustrated when they listen to preachers from another city or a podcast of another preacher. It may cause this this uh, unhealthy insecurity to arise in them. They've got to know their own heart and go, okay, I need to limit that right now because that's making me feel like this is a competition. Okay, David, so you've got uh, reading your Bible for you, knowing your heart, sometimes just staying off, off the Christian blogs is uh, is helpful for you. What are, what are some other things that you've done that has helped your heart? Just remember, this is not a competition. Yeah, I think the big thing is love the people that are in my path. Mm. And what I mean by that is, I think a lot of times we get um, the competition turns into how many people you have uh, care over, right? So I lead a, a very large church, therefore I must be winning, or uh, my small group at my church that I, I lead is the biggest small group in my church, or whatever it might be, that the size of the crowd that follows us is an indication of our, our spiritual success. Uh, and then we we worry about, I, I tend to worry about, am I then caring for these individuals the way I should, loving these individuals the way I should, or am I loving them better than you know Adam is loving his people? Uh, and, uh, what I've kind of come down to that keeps me healthy and keeps me sane is, Hey, God has put a certain group of people in your path for you to love, care, uh, and encourage. So do that really well. So for me, what that looks like is my wife, my four children, the folks who are in my small group at church, um, the elder body that I'm a part of at my, at my local congregation and and the care that, that I'm kind of obligated to do and, and have signed up for. Uh, uh, in that role, right, yeah. as an elder of the church, and then at the end of the day, after that, it's kind of go, it's time to go to bed, you know, and and uh, get some rest, and not to then worry about anything beyond that because I don't have any control or any. God has not given me that stewardship, you yeah. know. Um, he has other men in other places doing other things, um, and so just resting in the providence, providence and sovereignty and goodness of God. Um, and not being worried about what other folks are doing uh, to to love and encourage and, and and grow the folks that are in their path. That's so great, David. And again, maybe a new temptation over the last 20 years with the rise of the internet and social media is that now we can be connected. Let's just take a let's just talk to a pastor here for a second. A pastor back in the day really knew the other pastors in their town maybe the other pastors in their county. Maybe every once in a while they go to a state convention or something like that and, and see other pastors there. But nowadays, you can be connected to every pastor in the country and in the world, and you can listen to all of their sermons, and you can hear all, read all their media clips about how they're growing. And that, that uh, correlates not only to just professional Christians, but uh, maybe even just your competition in industry and where you work— uh, all your friends and all that kind of stuff. And so there is a temptation to try to impact everyone rather than just the the real people that God has put in front of you. Yeah. And I think I, I saw this on Twitter. I, I follow somebody on Twitter. I, I for, forget her name. So I apologize for not being able to give her credit. But she said that in a tweet. And I was like, can I hit, how many times can I hit retweet, you know, on this? 
uh, comment where she basically said our souls were not meant to take in all this information. Right. We can't handle it because there's nothing for us to do. We just get all the bad information or the overwhelming amount of information, even if it's good. And we're just like, man, I can't, my, my soul cannot process and handle the weight of all of the, that is happening in the world. And you weren't meant to. Yeah. Uh, and so just to go, and that, this is, this might go back to what we said earlier about how much you take in as far as Christian blogs and that kind of stuff is that it's a lot to know, well, there's a problem over here with the way they're thinking and a problem over here with the way they're doing. And it's like, man, that's a lot of problems going on. Yes. Also just reading about them. And now I don't have energy to go into my son's room and disciple him or go into my, to talk to my wife and, and be kind to her because I'm worried about what's going on in Seattle. Yeah. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter. I don't live in Seattle. I live in Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's just some peace that comes with, you know what? God's got his people everywhere. So just calm down, you know, own, own your situation uh, and go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for Seattle. And then, yeah. um, and then go <laughs> to sleep. Yeah. yeah. That's I mean, what that's you can it. do for Seattle is yeah. you can pray for Pray them. for yeah. them. Yeah. And I, you know what it really boils down to? Like, again, another big theological wor- uh, word here is um, you are not omnipresent. Like, that, that, there's one being that gets that privilege, and it's not you. And so uh, God is. And sometimes social media can give us the, the idea, or just not even social media, just the internet in general, gives us this idea that we can be everywhere at all times, access to all information. And uh, David, I, I think what I'm, what I'm hearing you say right now is do not compare your real life to someone else's PR department. That's right. That's good. Yeah. And I would just say, yeah, don't compare your real life to somebody else's PR department. And as I think about what you just said, Adam, about you're not omnipresent. And I started thinking, you know, with social media, we feel omnipresent because we see all these things that are happening or just the regular media, right? uh, Access to all these different news channels. Um, Is that just by being involved in my local church, if I'm faithful there on a weekly basis, I will interact uh, with a very intimate group of friends. I will worship with a larger group of friends. Uh, and then I will pray for both the city that I live in, the nation I live in, and the world. And my pastors are doing the work of telling me, hey, this week we're praying for this thing, this this uh, this thing in our country, and this, this uh, nation uh, in, in the world. Uh, and to your point about praying for Seattle, just by being faithful in the, in the local body of believers that the Lord has placed me in, uh, providentially placed me in, if I just follow the rhythm— of church with, with this group, I'm going to get to do all those things. Yeah. I'm going to get to pray for the nations. I'm going to get to pray for my, for my nation. I'm going to get to pray for my city. I'm going to get to uh, engage with other believers and, and share the gospel with those who might not know of Christ yet without having to be inundated hour after hour yes. with problem after problem after problem that, that then is going to weigh on my soul. Because I mean, to everybody who's willing to listen to a podcast like this probably has a intrinsic desire to be uh, helpful, an intrinsic desire to be better. Yeah. And so when you hear these problems all the time, you're like, man, I want to help there. Yes. Uh, and if it doesn't require time, it certainly requires energy. And so um, just managing your energy. Yeah. I love that. I love that because it's it's just, it. you know what I hear or what I feel when you say all that, David, is I just feel this selective or this um, this huge sigh of relief of just going, okay, you're right. I mean, I've got I've got my family, I've got my people that I work with, I've got the people on my block, I've got my small group, and um, those are the real humans that I interact with on a regular basis. Where Jesus wants me to love those people, to care for those people, 
to pray for those people. I don't want to be ignorant to everything else that's going on in the world, right? And we're called to pray for our leaders and to pray for the country and pray for the world. And there's great tools out there that can help you do that. But uh, wake up, love the people who are, quote, in your ditch, to use the Good Samaritan um, uh, there, and and then just be faithful and go to bed, right? Because, and I love, you say this often to me, and I, and I love this reminder, um, is anybody going to probably write a book about our life? No, I told my wife that last night. I go, babe, no one's <laughs> writing a book about me. And it's kind of encouraging because there's so much I don't want published. Um, <laughs> but I think as men, we want, there's that desire to be known, right? We want, everybody wants their name and lights. Um, uh, everybody wants to be, you got a known generation. I want to, I want to be C.H. Spurgeon, right? First of all, I want to be known for two letters in my name instead of an actual name. Cause I, I think that J.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, C.H. <laughs> Spurgeon, I could go on and on. The two letter thing, T.S. Eliot, he's just a poet. Uh, D.T. Morrison now, is that what you no, want? No, it sounds terrible. Okay. Uh, I'm not there. I'm not there. Again, there's not going to be a book written about me. When did that change in the culture, I wonder? Because that was so common back in the day to just do... Anyway, we're getting off topic here, but all right. So yeah, nobody's probably going to write a book about you. Yeah, nobody's going to write a book about you, and that's okay. Yeah. Here's the thing is no one's going to write a book about you, but your son is going to remember how you treated him, mm. and your wife is going to remember how you were kind to her. And your church members are going to show up at your funeral and they're going to say, tell stories about uh, how you showed up at the hospital or how you came to the Little League baseball game. Uh, and that's all that really matters, you know, um, so is good. being faithful where you are. Uh, I had a friend the other day at church said, hey, man, how do you define success? And I told him, I said, man, success is faithfulness. Mm. Being faithful where you are to, to love God and to love those around you and then go to bed exhausted and get up and do it again. That's it. Uh, and and for all the the guys who are listening to this podcast to say, hey, that's it, man. That's all there is. Uh, there's nothing on the other side of the mountain besides that. That's so good. That's it right there. Be faithful. Success is faithfulness. David, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great having you on. It's not a competition. Following Jesus is like no other relationship in the church. Is like no other institution success is being faithful. I love that message from David. David, thank you so much for joining us today on the Better Man Podcast. If you want to connect with David, you can give him a follow on Twitter. He's at David T. Morrison one. That's the number one at David T. Morrison, the number one. You can also find him on LinkedIn. If you found today's episode helpful, would you do us a favor and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening? That'll help great people like you continue to find us. If you'd like to learn more about how to bring the Better Man 11-week experience to your church or your community, please visit betterman.com. And once again, today's episode was mixed and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all for this episode. Have a great day.